I can say without a doubt that this is a historic achievement because since Jordan was founded, agricultural workers have not been included in the labor law until now. Hello, sisters and brothers, and welcome to the Solidarity Center podcast, an interview show that highlights and celebrates the individuals working for labor rights, the freedom to form unions, and democracy across the globe. I'm your host, Shauna Bader-Blau. I'm also the executive director of the Solidarity Center in Washington, D.C. We're the largest U.S.-based international worker rights organization. We empower workers to raise their voice for dignity on the job, for justice in their communities, for greater equality in the global economy, and for one just future. Agricultural workers, the women and men who harvest our tomatoes, pick our grapes, and literally feed the world, often work in harsh conditions. Yet, most have few rights on the job, like protection against dangerous pesticides, the right to form unions, or even guaranteed access to clean drinking water. When farm workers join together, though, for their rights, all that can change. In Morocco, more than a thousand agricultural workers on several large farms won better wages and safer working conditions through the country's first bargaining contract. And recently in Tunisia, workers celebrated as an agricultural worker became the first in the country to sign her union card. My guest today, Hamada Abu Nijme, will describe how agricultural workers in Jordan recently joined together to collectively campaign for, and win, a landmark law that will bring them safer jobs over time and, get this, guaranteed 10 weeks paid maternity leave. This is huge. More than half of agricultural workers in Jordan are women. Hamada Abu Nijmeh is director of the Jordan-based Workers' House for Studies, and with the Agricultural Workers' Union, led the campaign for this first-ever legislation. We speak to him today with the assistance of our interpreters, Rami and Ayam. You'll hear both of their voices during the course of today's show. Welcome, Hamada Abu Nijme, Director of Workers' House in Jordan. I was so thrilled when I learned about the really important victory that you were a part of helping agriculture workers achieve in Jordan. All around the world, agriculture workers are denied fundamental rights to health and safety, to decent wages, to fair working conditions. And the struggle for rights in the sector is so important. Before we talk more about the law, can you tell us just a little bit about who are the agriculture workers of Jordan? The workers in agriculture in Jordan can be divided into two main groups. Half of them are Jordanians and the other half are migrant workers. Of course, the migrant workers are mainly made of two nationalities, Egyptians and Syrians. Syrians because of the Syrian refugee crisis and the abundance of number of Syrian refugees in Jordan. And a great percentage of those workers are female workers. Mr. Hamada, I wonder if you could say a little bit more about the types of crops that 
foreign and Jordanian workers that you have been working with are engaged with? What kinds of crops do people pick that we are talking about? Mostly, the uh, crops are diverse in nature. And simply in Jordan, there is the Jordan Valley area. It's actually quite a warm climate year-round, and therefore it can provide for the possibility of growing various types of crops, including vegetables like tomatoes, cucumbers. And of course, we have the slightly higher elevated area, which is which overlooks the Jordan Valley, and there you would find also other diverse crops like wheat, barley, uh, citrus, and of course we have the herbal or low-lying plants such as peas and legumes in general. And of course, mind you, these when they grow, they store, uh, they stay at a lower level of the land, and therefore they need lots of work and effort, and that's why they focus on hiring women agricultural workers and they do the physical work and this requires a lot of effort under the sun they suffer from such as back pain and of course other associated problems with the climate with the elements and of course with the insects and the like the jordan valley and the jordan countryside is spectacularly beautiful and hamada you're describing absolute beauty at the same time you were starting to describe working conditions. Many agricultural workers are refugees from war. Others are refugees from poverty, perhaps from Egypt. Others are Jordanians who are majority women, as you've described. Of course, female workers, they have a very tough and complicated problem. Sometimes they're paid less than 50% of their male counterparts, although they work for the same working hours. Because, you know, given the uh, kind of condition and the situation in the Jordan Valley, they become, because of the, it is always hot there, they usually work for six to seven hours a day, both male and female workers. And so this is the situation. And of course, it's under the control of the elements of the climate and of course the, the business owners. And the, the, another problem is that they suffer from an intermittent recruitment, i.e. the business owner decides whether or not to employ them next time or not. Another problem for them is the issue of transportation. As you know, as it is the case around the globe, always the agricultural areas are vast and remotely located from cities and urban centers. And therefore, these female workers, they have to use indecent modes of transportation, unfortunately, mainly pickups, which are not designed as passenger cars, but rather for, you know, loading and unloading of crops and vegetables, etc. And therefore, they suffer from many road accidents, that could happen because they are uh, jammed and packed in, in those vehicles and could, uh, they simply could actually fall off the road and many accidents of the like have happened. Also, there is another problem. Since they are cramped into those vehicles that are not regular passenger vehicles, they have another issue related to harassment. And many uh, actually indicated the issue of harassment as female workers during their uh, transportation to the workplace. You've described uh, really difficult working conditions for the men and women who work in this sector 
in Jordan. And I want to ask you some more specific questions about that. But first, can you tell me a little bit about where these crops are sold? Are these mostly for Jordanian markets? Or are these crops also that the workers you're talking about exported to foreign markets? So, both to answer your question, Jordan has become almost self-sufficient in terms of the crops that it grows. So, uh, we fill our needs in terms of vegetables, fruits, and uh, legumes. So, many of these uh, products of these farms are sold in the local markets, but they're also exported. So, we have large farms that export vegetables to Europe and to various Gulf countries, but these are mostly the large farms the organized ones with better legal arrangements uh, that are obviously limited in number and limited in the number of their workers. And then we have the smaller farms that export, that get together and they export to mediators. After the break, we will hear about what it took for agricultural workers to win sweeping new laws in Jordan that offer them and their families a chance at a future with rights and respect on the job. Hi there, it's Shauna again. I just wanted to take a minute to invite you to check out Radio Labor, the international labor movement's radio service. Radio Labor produces daily newscasts about union events and issues, and it also produces special programs to support labor campaigns around the world. Check out Radio Labor at radiolabour.net and find out more about worker rights struggles around the world and how the movement is supporting their efforts for decent wages, fair treatment, and strong communities. Follow and subscribe at radiolabor.net. So I'm imagining the, the beautiful Jordan Valley and countryside, small farms and large farms, you know, providing food for the tables of Jordanians and exporting the bounty abroad. At the same time, workers that are providing that food for all of our tables across the Gulf and Europe are working under incredibly difficult conditions. I know that you have dedicated a long time as part, as a leader in the struggle for labor rights in Jordan to address and improve working conditions. And I know that recently there was a landmark legislation that is set to improve the lives of these workers that are feeding all of us. And I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about that work. What does this new law do? So I can uh, proudly say uh, that it is uh, through the efforts of many that we have been able to achieve this uh, landmark achievement. I can say without a doubt that this is a historic achievement because since Jordan was founded, agricultural workers have not been included in the labor law until now. Only now, through the regulations, have they been included in the labor law. So it is after uh, a lot of effort uh, a lot of pressure that was put on the government. And we must also recognize that 
the pandemic played a very important role in this because it reduced the severity of rejecting this proposal. At one point, uh, decision makers realized that agriculture is a vital uh, sector and it is very important for achieving food security in Jordan. And so we took advantage of this. We also took advantage of the fact that His Majesty the King directed the government to improve the situation of the agricultural workers. And we went into an arguments uh, and discussions with the government and with the private sector. And we told them this, that this can only be achieved by improving the circumstances of other workers. Otherwise, there would be no achievement uh, that can be done, especially since agricultural workers are the main element of production for this sector. Okay. So it is important to, to say or to mention here that the employers at the beginning to, refused to uh, add or to recognize many of the rights. And obviously, this is expected of the private sector. There were attempts to limit the number of rights that were granted to the agricultural workers. And we were vested in the fact that the regulations must include the workers in all of their provisions, the agricultural workers, with no exceptions that were provided in the law. And so we rejected the, the draft that the government offered in place of the draft that we offered to them. The government draft allowed them, for example, the workers some of the more simple worker rights, including wages and working hours. Uh, they didn't uh, grant them the right to vacations as we wanted. Even the rights of the social security were limited, not as they have should have, and they were not absolute rights as we uh, wanted them, as we achieved them, in fact. So the, we considered that the weak uh, uh, draft of the government was not accepted. Their objective, obviously, from their draft was to reject our demands, but indirectly. We used the media, and we also, in addition to the tracks of the multiple tracks of dialogue, we used the media, media, and we received support, in fact, from the media and from social uh, media, which also supported us and placed uh, additional pressure on the government that to insist on these rights that are non-negotiable, that are international standards. And so our first achievement was to be able to reinstate our version uh, to be discussed by the committee. I can't underscore how incredibly important the achievement has been for the Jordanian agricultural workers that we've been describing. How rare around the world that agricultural workers are covered by Social Security, are recognized in the labor law, how rare and uncommon it is that workers get paid vacation leave. After the promulgation of this regulation or law, of course, we did have sessions and meetings at the various areas with the workers, and we did explain to them the pros and cons, the positive and the negative points therein. And of course, the negative aspects therein are still pending further consideration as we explained them. For instance, uh, employers who employ less than three workers, these were excluded from the coverage in the Social Security and the paid leaves. But all in all, yes, they are happy. And, but more importantly, they are still wondering about enforcement. And this reflects a higher level of awareness among those workers. Because rather than being over jubilant with just talking about the privileges and benefits in the law, they're talking about the accurate enforcement of the provisions uh, of the law that is really important for them.
The requirements for the effective enforcement would entail the following. We are working, and I am actually personally involved in helping the Ministry of Labor in Jordan on qualifying and training their staff on labor inspection in this sector. Also, there is a group of decisions and ministerial decrees that have to be issued by the minister himself on labor, on the places where the workers can stay, the dorms, the transportation, the difficult working conditions uh, given the elements and the, you know, the hot and harsh climate with regarding to reducing the working hours during the hot uh, weather. And we are lobbying and pressing the government also to issue a regulation for labor inspection in the agricultural sector. We have drafted this effect and we have helped the government in this regard because of the particularity of labor inspection in the agriculture sector. We are also lobbying and pressing the government for the ratification of key related conventions, international ILO conventions, including C-190 and C-87. And finally, of course, we are trying to push hard for the issue of unionization because the workers in this sector are disenfranchised and denied this privilege of organizing themselves in unions or joining them. You hit on such an important point here, which is the unfinished business that I'm still hearing you talk about in terms of the rights that are still outstanding for Jordanian workers in this sector. You mentioned ILO Convention 87, and, and there's also 98 on the that established the rights of workers to have unions and have collective bargaining. These rights are still not present for agricultural workers in Jordan. Independent unions are strong in the sector, and we don't have a ton of collective bargaining. I wonder if you could tell us a little bit more about why agriculture workers have been not allowed to form unions historically, and what are some of the current impediments beyond the law to workers having and forming independent unions? Of course, the issue is uh, the issue of freedom of association and uh, unionizing is of a very limited nature across the sectors, not only in the agricultural sectors, because we have a specific number of sectors that can unionize, and namely they are, there are 17 of them. And of course, they have only one general federation of trade unions, and of course the government is dominating all of them, the unions and the federation. And in an amendment to the Labor Code back in 2019, there were added provisions that would even introduce further restrictions to the right to unionize, the law now provided for the government that it has the right to dissolve and disband any board of any trade union, however it likes. And, of course, it also stipulates, I mean, the, the 2019 Labor Code's amendments, it also stipulates that the government needs to approve and ratify the bylaws of any trade union. And, of course, this is by international standards and even logically something that is not acceptable because and also they keep insisting on restricting the sectors that are allowed to uh, unionize international organizations including the ILO they criticize this setback and that's why the working uh, the workers in the agriculture sectors domestic workers also among the workers who are denied the right to unionize in this case 
you're describing an incredibly difficult situation for uh, freedom of association and direct government interference and intervention in the rights of workers to form unions across Jordan. And, you know, I'm thinking about your earlier comments about agriculture workers being considered essential workers, providing bounty and food security to the nation, themselves being treated as a security threat when they try to form unions. And the government rollback on the right of workers to form unions in recent years. But I know that organizations like yours are pushing back and fighting to expand the rights of workers to form unions. Can you tell us a little bit more about that work? How do you work in coalition with independent unions, with other organizations, to try to expand the right of workers to have unions in Jordan? I do anticipate and expect that the government and the 17 so-called cartoon or fake trade unions would also try to form their own agricultural trade union. And therefore, the government will try to do that very soon. And I'm afraid that then this new agricultural trade workers trade union will not have a true, genuine representation of the workers in the, se in the sectors. Because, you know, the, the issue is that most of the workers do not have tenure. They are not full time. They're either on a, contracted on a daily basis or seasonal or casual workers. And more often than not, they work for more than one employer or leave this employer this day and they go to the other one the other day. And therefore, it's very hard to gather them around one unified, consolidated word or idea. Now, with regards to your question, yes, we are now keen on uh, raising awareness among workers about about the right to the freedom of association. And actually, a satisfactory percentage of workers do know their rights association. And we will continue to work with the government in the future. And probably you heard about another issue, another problem related to the agricultural trade union and the agricultural sector is that the case at court, whereas the trade union of agricultural workers tried to register, and of course, they've been denied, and they took it to court. And now they're trying to, and uh, the government refused, and they're trying to challenge the, uh, that decision before the court. I do not anticipate that the, our case will be successful before the court for legal and other reasons besides the legal ones. And of course, the, the best way to protect the agricultural sector and any future trade union in the agricultural sector is to fix the problem with the entire system-wide trade union in Jordan. Could you just tell us maybe a, a little bit in a few sentences about the important work of the Workers' House? So the Workers' House is a think tank. It's a research center. It was established in 2017, so it's a nascent center. It uh, targets conducting studies on the labor market, all issues relevant to the labor market. And the Workers' House also has a training center for occupational uh, safety and health to train workers in various sectors, especially construction workers. And maybe one day we will be training agricultural workers because this is an objective that we aspire to achieve one day. I can hear your passion and concern uh, for the rights and the livelihoods of all Jordanian workers in your story you just told. I wonder if you could 
tell me a little bit more about in your work right now in coalitions with many different kinds of organizations in Jordan who are trying to expand the rights for workers. What is your vision for the workforce of Jordan and this sector in particular? What does success look like to you? So, Shauna, your question was big uh, because my, uh, I have multiple aspirations with many dimensions. Since I'm a lawyer and I work in the law, this is always my first step for success. If you raise awareness on their rights in the law. And this is what happened with the agricultural sector. If we didn't have laws, then rights will not be respected. The greater ambition for me, of course, is in addition to the legal dimension, is to have worker policies that respect the humanity of the workers, whether they are national or whether they are guests. There are migrant workers who suffer from discrimination because of the culture, both at work and in all of the other aspects of life. Many of them suffer from very difficult practices, especially in the garment sector. There are factories we have in Jordan that export abroad. They have thousands of workers. I would estimate maybe over 150,000 workers in the sector. The majority of them are migrant workers. I believe that respecting rights, uh, if we don't succeed through raising awareness, then the parties must be mandated through strict and binding legal provisions with the tools that would ensure their enforcement to respect them. And Jordan obviously is mandated to respect this according to both the conventions that it has ratified and those that it hasn't, because this is the constitution of the ILO. And also, it is in our national interest. We must know just that just like the agricultural sector, respecting worker rights is in the interest of the economy. They might think that in the short term, it, uh, reducing some of their rights, uh, shortchanging them would help them, but ultimately it is in the interest of the national uh, economy to respect the rights uh, to ensure an effective and just process. Government and the private sector often put their priorities of short-term gain over the long-term interests of our, our nations and our peoples. Jordan is not at all unique in suppressing the economic and political rights of workers. Around the world, workers are facing exactly that same struggle, not just in agriculture, but across so many sectors. And your vision and your work towards that vision in Jordan is a model not just for a better future in Jordan, but for all the countries around the world facing that same struggle. I really want to thank you so much to my brother Hamada Abunijne, the leader of Workers' House in Jordan, for your incredible work and for this tremendous interview. Thank you so much. As we have been reminded so often during the COVID-19 crisis, we depend on essential workers. But for how many of us does that phrase bring to mind the image of a woman picking oranges in a grove under the hot sun, as millions of men and women all over the world do each day, doing the hard work in farms and fields to bring food to our tables? Through Jordan's House for Worker Studies, Hamada, in partnership with the Agricultural Workers Union, have both helped to ensure these workers are no longer invisible and that they have rights all workers deserve. A right to safe jobs, a right to decent working conditions, a right to paid leave, 
a right to form a union, and that these rights also extend to migrant workers. Thanks again to our interpreters, Rami and Ayam, and of course to Brother Hamada for his work on behalf of workers in Jordan, and congratulations to all our sisters and brothers working in agriculture on this amazing achievement. You can follow and subscribe to the Solidarity Center podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your shows. Learn more about the Solidarity Center at SolidarityCenter.org and follow our social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The Solidarity Center podcast is a member of the Labor Radio Podcast Network, and our show is produced and engineered by Adam Yaffe. A special thanks to the staff of the Solidarity Center who assisted with this podcast. In more than 60 countries around the world, we work to ensure a righteous future for workers, dignity, freedom, equality, and justice. For the Solidarity Center podcast, I'm Shauna Bader-Blau. Thanks for listening.